Okay. Hello. My name is Brandy Walker. Uh, on my blog, I call myself the Gateway Guru. That's kind of weird, and I'll talk about that later. Welcome to, to Throwing Light. This is episode one. Poets, prostitutes, and preachers, in other words, about me. Heads up, this is, um, so I love Elizabeth Gilbert, when she did her podcast, she did, uh, she had this like little pre, um, preface, I guess, where she said, uh, this is, we use adult language here because we are adults. Um, yeah, there might be some cursing. So that's just kind of part of it. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer that everything belongs. So the question of my life um, is what do I do with the fact that I think I'm supposed to do something holy and spiritual with my life, but I'm not actually very fucking pure. For most of my life, even while doing the work I know um, that, that I knew I was supposed to be doing, I used the idea that I'm not pure or not good enough uh, as an excuse. What I'm learning is that being flawed does not mean that I'm not good enough to answer whatever call I might feel is happening. In fact, it might actually be my edge. And I think everyone needs an edge. So my hope is to offer a way of being spiritual and being human that is relatable and relevant to your life. Um, I think spirituality can become too esoteric, but oh, there's my dog. Okay. I think, I think it's, this is so cliche, but, uh, I think that love is the basis of all good religion or spirituality. And I think love is inherently practical. So I'm hoping to use this podcast to flesh out what the hell that means. In addition to the spiritual, um, I'm really interested in the social. I study sociology in uh, undergrad. That's why I'm unemployable. I'm also very interested in the psychological, um, mental health. I am actually in the process of applying to go to grad school to get my master's of social work. And I'm very interested in the scientific, especially like the unexplainable, really cool science (laughs) and all the fake sciences. I love those. I think it's about how... I think like those things, the social, the psychological, and the scientific, the spiritual, it's about how we relate to others, it's about how we relate to ourselves, and it's about how we relate to what some people would call God or that which is bigger than humanity. I think that essentially what we're doing when when we live our life is trying to figure out what the heck we're doing here, (laughs) how to be human, how to make a living, how to make a life, to overcome the horrible parts and accept and receive the really beautiful ones, which is, I think sometimes that's harder. We're all just trying to figure it out 
all of us, even the worst of us, even the best of us, we're all just flying by the seat of our pants. Some people in the figuring out process, they find God. I was brought up in Western Protestant Christianity, sort of. I didn't grow up in a church, but when I found myself in need of salvation, which I super did, uh, when I needed to be saved, essentially from myself, God was the best known alternative. At the time, traditional Christianity with a bent toward conservatism, although I didn't have that language at the time, was incredibly helpful for me. I think Christianity and the Bible can be really good ways of figuring it out, but they aren't helpful in all situations. And I was actually listening to a podcast this morning where John Philip Newell uh, spoke to uh, Rob Bell, uh, who I'll talk about later, um, about some really interesting things, but... um, the, the idea that Christianity has to be, as it is now, um, it has to, I don't know if he used these words, but basically it has to be torn down. It can't, it can't exist the way it is currently in existence. And I was telling that to a friend today over coffee and she just sort of nodded. Like I didn't even get to the part where I was explaining why. And it's interesting because John Philip Newell also talks about this deep knowing, like this I knew it feeling of that speaks to us <laughs> um, on a deeper level. Uh, so I think of it, uh, and and I and I. That's not to say everybody would understand why um, Christianity would need to be torn down, but I think many people would. I hope be able to admit that it has some issues and and there people have different ways of dealing with that and I can actually link to that podcast because he talks about it way better than I do but I'll link to that in the show notes because I'm gonna have show notes so I think Christianity is a paradigm it is a way of as in its current state it's a way of looking at the world all paradigms have strengths and weaknesses and that's not to say I would argue that God is a paradigm and 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 God the Christian Judeo God I, I struggle. I think there's I don't believe there's a God somewhere in the sky. Um and as this podcast unfolds I'll talk more about what I do believe about God. Uh but the point I want to get across here is that for some people the word Christian comes with too much baggage. Because human beings who have called themselves Christians, who have really screwed up um, themselves and other people. And I think that's actually the opposite of the intended effect. I don't think it offers salvation. In some cases it offers oppression. Uh, So, if Christianity doesn't work for you... I don't think you're like SOL. Um, And if Christianity does work for you, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. So psychology is another paradigm that I love. And I'm not going to talk a lot about that right now because it's just the intro. 
as I learn and um, study more about that uh, as I get into grad school, I'll definitely share some of what I'm learning with you. I think the mark of a good paradigm is that it leaves room for mystery, which is, I think that's weird. And maybe I'm, maybe the word paradigm isn't right, but the mark of a good like idea the container for these big um, thoughts on purpose and meaning and um, what we're doing here. I think the mark of a good one is that it leaves room for mystery. 96% of the universe is dark matter. And, and we don't know uh, what the heck it is. So I don't know how anyone can say for certain that there's no God under those circumstances, but I don't know how anyone can say for sure that there is. The fact is we have no idea what we're doing. We have far less control than we would like to imagine. But if we let go of our pretense of having all our ducks in a row, which I think in essence is what this, um, it, that's maybe what this podcast is all about. It's like letting go of I have my shit together. Then we can make room for the really cool, powerful stuff. What I would call magical. Although that's another paradigm that doesn't work for a lot of people. And does work beautifully for some people. So uh, I, I wanted to, part of this podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about myself um, and tell you a little bit about who you're going to be having coffee with or, um, working out with or commuting, whatever it is you're doing. If you have never heard of my work, I'm very, very glad you're here. And I'd like to tell you a little about myself. I've been in the online blogging space for about seven years now. I've worked as a copywriter, a life coach, a teacher of online classes, some of which were spiritual, some of which were entrepreneurial, some of which had social justice or feminist leanings. For a time, I created a website that was all about featuring good news. I've written several ebooks and a compilation of essays that is available on Instagram, on Instagram, on Amazon called Wild Goslings that is engaging with kids in the mysteries of God. I've been a a freelance writer, and I've written for The Huffington Post, Marie Claire, Guidepost, The Kitchen, and a heck of a lot of blogs. I've done all of these. All these vocations, by the way, are entrepreneurial. This is all working for myself um, and making it all up as I go along. Um, and I failed a lot, and I've had a lot of successes. That's one of the things that I have a hard time celebrating. The point is I've been doing this... <laughs> Uh, for a long time. In 2015, I decided to pull back a bit and restructure because my Achilles heel is that I want to do all the things at once. And I have recently learned that I have ADHD and a couple of other things that I'll get in later, get into later, like anxiety and PTSD. I've been doing this for a while and more recently, I've been trying to figure out my best direction. After a lot of thought and prayer and therapy, I decided to focus on basically three main things. First, to go back to school um, and become a counselor. Second, to focus on writing a book that is super secret, I'm not really talking about that. 
and three, to start a podcast and see what happens. I have a couple of other, like, tiny uh, secret, not-so-secret projects that will likely develop, but right now I'm narrowing it down professionally to those three main focuses, and that's a huge win for me. The adult life career the last several years, there is a lot of insecurity about that. It, I have a lot of insecurity about that. When people ask me what I do, I feel very passionate about my work. I'm thinking about my work all the time. I'm a very hard worker, but I have a lot of insecurity that I'm that it doesn't look real. I'm sure that will become a we'll just do like a therapy session for myself of, of a podcast. I think all podcasts are actually therapy sessions for the people who are hosting the podcast. That's like my secret belief. Before that, I spent the first few years of my adult life partying hard. I meet young, uh, young adults makes me sound so old, but I meet you know, teenagers and early 20s, and I'm so jealous. When I was 19, I got pregnant, but I wasn't mature enough to slow down. In some ways, I tried to get smart about it. I hid my real life from everyone, and at the same time, I found myself in a sexually abusive relationship. But I didn't know it because I didn't have uh, the language for that. I didn't know you could be in a relationship with somebody and be sexually abused. So my self-esteem plummeted. I lived from a place of shame, basically. Eventually I changed everything. It got worse before it got better, but it did get better. I left him. I didn't fully understand what he had done, so I couldn't fully process what I was recovering from. And for the first few months, life outside that relationship seemed almost as bad as life with him. But, and I actually reached a rock bottom point about six months after I let him, left him, that made me realize that I really hated what my life had become. For the first time, I was willing to give up my vices and the things that I had used to numb the pain for so long uh, in order to see if there was joy on the other side. Within a year, everything changed. I quit habits that I thought I'd would have forever today that's so that's 12 years later (laughs) it's been 12 years which seems like a lifetime ago it's hard to imagine the person I used to be but I'm sure I will look back someday and 12 years will seem like the blink of an eye the weird wisdom of growing up living life so today 12 years later I have some issues Some of them are psychological. Like I said, I have PTSD and an anxiety disorder. Some of them are spiritual. I can be a little bit selfish. Um, I really like Gilmore Girls, although I'm not finished. I'm only in season like four, so please don't. um, I'm trying really hard to care, keep away from spoilers. But I like Gilmore Girls because I relate to Lorelai, and not only because she has a, a daughter, also because she kind of, embraces her selfishness it's definitely something I'm very giving also but I'm I'm uh, yeah I got a little bit of all about me sometimes so I struggle deeply with shame still and it is something that I will probably be working on maybe for the rest of my life but who knows overall though I really love my life I'm married to a great man I have two 
seriously awesome kids. One, my daughter, who I'll talk about, she wants to be on the podcast, and we'll we'll do that. And I'm very excited about that. She is 15 and um, a Spitfire. She's amazing. Uh, we live with two other people, uh, and they are really cool. <laughs> um, I have amazing friends. I have a great, inclusive church community. I get to do work that I love every day, and even though I haven't achieved maybe what I thought I would by now, I know a lot of people can't say that they get to do work they love every day, and I don't take that lightly. I believe wholeheartedly in the idea that change is possible, and I really am into the science of change. I think that we are meant to change. Um, and I was and listening to the John Philip Newell podcast, um, he, he talks about kind of a stripping away of becoming what we were at our core. And I like that too. But I, but I think we have a lot of like, we, we gather habits that we don't necessarily need and we don't necessarily want. And I believe that, I believe that we can change them. So I believe that we have the opportunity to inspire change in each other. And to me, that's what throwing light is all about. The word, so what, uh, you know, what did I call it? Poets, preacher, and let me look. Um, Poets, prostitutes, and preachers. Uh, What the heck (laughs) is that title? So, I've gone back and forth for a few weeks on whether or not to name this first episode um, this, (laughs) and, and, and I've, and I've gone and changed it, and then I always come back to it, and I, I, it's just sort of, it fits, uh, I still don't know, uh, for sure if it's the right decision, but I'm just gonna go with it, I hope that it, I hope that it works, um, my biggest idea, my biggest fear my biggest fear is that my ideas are half-baked, that they could go somewhere brilliant if their host was just a little bit smarter than I am. So uh, a couple of years ago, a guy named Rob Bell, uh, who used to be a pastor and who basically has my self-made dream job of writing and doing speaking tours and who's written a few compelling books on Christianity and living a meaningful life, and who is also my spirit animal he created this uh, event uh, for pastors and communicators called Poets, Prophets, and Preachers. And it was about the lost art of the sermon. And it was so cool. And I think you can find it on YouTube. And if you are a communicator, there are some, like, his talks on it. So good. So, like, mm, just really, like, meaty, like, how to how to communicate well on a stage. So good. So... I, I was, I love him. I am, uh, he's just been a very instrumental, um, I guess, thought leader in my life. And one of his, his first book, Velvet Elvis, was uh, just a huge waking up moment for me. And... I especially like these terms. I mean, obviously, I like, I loved the event. I didn't go to the event. <laughs> I just listened to it on YouTube. I think I might have bought it when it was on sale on 
at his old church. But I like these terms because my whole career, I have spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to call myself. And I think this sums it up. Kind of, sort of. Not really, but 100% yes. So the poet part is is pretty self-explanatory. I consider myself a poet, a writer. It's deeply connected to who I am. I do spoken word occasionally. In fact, uh, in thinking of how I wanted to end each podcast, I came up with a very poetic idea that I'll share later. For preacher, so this is uh, kind of interesting. And I didn't share this part of my story, but I was, when I became a Christian, I was very certain that I was supposed to be a pastor, um, a minister of some sort. Um, But then I went to seminary and kind of, in a lot of ways, lost my faith. Not all of it. And in some ways I found my faith. But I'm not a preacher in the traditional sense. But I still feel a deep desire to preach uh, and... Uh, to act, to share, I love the term good news, and I want to share actual, literal good news with people who need it and who are willing to listen. You know, and not for nothing, I'm uh, one of the volunteer youth pastors at my church. So I get to stand up in a room full of teenagers, and they are the, <laughs> teenagers are the hardest audience, uh, almost every Sunday, and talk about hope and love and the God of the universe And so in that sense, I'm a very literal preacher. So prophet is kind of tricky. I love the word, uh, and it should be harder probably to call myself a prophet than a preacher, but I think I'm the strange mix of confidence and insecurity. I have always had a sense that there are people, even today, whose words are meaningful, uh, and that their words carry implications for the future. Occasionally, I've had the sense that I am one of those people. But you can't call yourself a prophet. They frown on that. So when I started to think about what word would replace prophet uh, and using Rob Bell's event, <laughs> event to describe me, which there's no reason for that. I just want to. I kept coming back to prostitute. Like you do, right? So alongside the belief that I'm somehow prophetic is the idea that at my core, I'm a screw up, that I'm not enough, and that I can't do anything right. I have struggled a lot with that lie. And I told you, I, you know, I, I struggle with shame. I, that's, that's the, that's the crux of this. Like we all have many of us, I don't know if all of us do, but probably a lot of us have this feeling that we're not good enough. Um, I think we're supposed to do it anyway. And I like the word prostitute because she's like the ultimate screw up, but also not, right? Prostitute is tricky too because part of her story is about the horrible things she's done to herself, but there's also this other side, the horrible things that others have done to her. And often the stories we hear about prostitutes are, are heroic ones of them overcoming both things. Now, I probably should not call myself a prostitute. My mom frowns on that. And notably, I'm not one. But I do have PTSD from sexual abuse. And the thing is, 
for a long time, I didn't know that's what it was. So I didn't know I was being um, abused when it was happening. And I didn't know that I had PTSD until pretty recently because of it. Um, <clears throat> and so, like I said, I didn't know that you could be abused from someone you were in a relationship with, aside from physical abuse. I got that, but I knew that wasn't my part of the story. So I kept, like, downplaying it, but it affects you. These things do. So part of the aftermath of that, and I spoke a little bit about my rock bottom six months later, uh, after I broke up with him was that I spiraled into some really self-destructive things. And part of that was sexual. I didn't realize any of this as it was playing out. But when I became a Christian, that's where a lot of my shame came from. About the things that I had done and, in a lot of ways, uh, the things that others had done to me. Um, I, so when I became a Christian, I overcorrected. And I tried to achieve and become really, really pure and holy and good. And that created a whole new set of problems. And so a lot of the work of my life right now, including this podcast, is integrating the lightness and the darkness that is inside of me. And I believe inside of all of us. And, okay, so there's a story. And I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to do a little preaching. There's this weird story in the Hebrew Bible about a woman named Tamar. She was married to a guy named Ur, but then he died. Back then, to be a woman and not married was a dangerous and scary thing because there's really no way to provide for yourself, which actually is not unlike some parts of the world today, right? So, but the way it was set up, if your brother, if your husband died, you'd be pledged to his brother. And so she was, and... She married the brother, but then he died too. And there was one brother left, but he was still a kid. So Judah, her father-in-law, told her to go back to her family of origin, which was, I think, maybe an insult, and just, like, kind of wait there until the brother was old enough to get married. So she does patiently, and he grows up. But Judah doesn't contact her or make arrangements or anything, and she sees that she's out on the road and... and She sees that this kid has grown up and she hasn't been contacted and she sees Judah and he, okay, this is where it gets really weird. He comes up to her and he doesn't realize it's her and he propositions her because he thinks she's a prostitute. So she gets pregnant by him and he hears, and so she gets pregnant by him and, oh, and, okay, so she, he prostitute, he propositions her because he thinks she's a prostitute and he and she's like okay but like give me your staff as like collateral or like a security deposit and so he does and then he goes back and he's trying to find <laughs> he has like his messenger trying to find the the prostitute on the road of whatever and the messenger can't find her and and he's like i you know just stop looking because i'm going to be made a laughing stock But then he hears that his daughter-in-law has been, quote, whoring around and is now pregnant due to her whoredom. That's actually in the Bible. And he's furious. He's furious. So he sends for her. And, oh, it was a pin. And he sends for her. And he's, like, ready to, like, slam her for this. And she gives him his pin. And he realizes 
Oh shit. Um, yeah. I really screwed that up. What? Like, I love that story. It's, it's so messed up. It's so disturbing on, like, many, many levels. But she's brilliant, and she uses her cleverness and creativity and sneakiness not to get revenge or to stick it to him, but instead as a way to make him see the error of his ways. And some people call that the third way or creative nonviolence in the face of oppression, ah, which is like my favorite thing in the world. And I've, I'm sure there'll be a podcast about that. So that's what this is about. Uh, it's about all of the things. <laughs> it's the idea that we all have worth. It's that we can use both our darkness and our light to change the world I hold all of these things inside me at once, even though I struggle with shame, even though I haven't done what I hope to do at this age, <laughs> or at 35 years old, um, even though I'm really proud of myself in other ways, you know, I am a preacher, I'm a, I'm a poet, I'm a prophet turned prostitute or prostitute turned prophet. I think we all do. I, I think we all hold all of these things, the psychological, the spiritual, the social, my hunch is that everyone has felt a version of not enoughness at some point in their lives. The problem isn't that we feel this way. Even our most painful experiences have meaning, which is not to say there's a reason for everything or that it should have happened, but we can't control the fucked up things that other people do. And sometimes we can't even control the fucked up things that we do, which is harder, but I believe... In redemption, I believe in reclamation. I believe that the world is slow, and there's good evidence for this that slowly, actually, the world is getting better. And I believe that we are all in the process of being made whole, and that looks very different for each one of us, and yet it's a process that we get to go through together. So, the title of this is Poet, Poets, Prostitutes, Preachers. First, because I'm a little obsessed with Rob Bell. And you need to know that up front. And second, because I think it's a way of honoring both my light and my darkness. And I hope in doing that, maybe I'll help you honor yours. So thank you for listening to this first episode. I am honored. I am currently in the process of looking for folks with interesting stories or ideas to interview for this podcast. If you have an idea or a story, please email me brandyglows at gmail.com. That's um, brandy with a Y glows like a light. And yeah, let me hear your bitch. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, so if you like this podcast, I would really love it if you could leave a review on iTunes because it does fancy things with the algorithm and it helps me reach more people. And if you didn't like this first episode, that's totally fine. You're welcome to leave a review too, of course. But what are you still doing here? Life is too short to listen to crappy podcasts. I wanted to do something special to end this episode, to end each episode. Because I'm also obsessed with The Daily Show and they have like their moment of zen and I just think that's really cool. Like I said, I dabble in spoken word. So I thought it'd be fun to end with um, what I'm tentatively calling a break for verses. It's a little snippet of something I wrote in the past or something that I haven't even shared on a stage yet. It's called A Blessing for the Activist. Here it is. 
your break for verses. I don't know if that's plagiarism. Here it is. Here's, here is your break for verses. Messy work and shoddy pay, the doubts creep into those places that you'd much rather not tread as you wipe the tears and the blood off your brow and your forearm and scrub the pepper spray out of your eyes, trust. You made a difference today. As the sun sinks down behind the edge of the world and you exhale for the first time this month, may you know in your bones it's going to be okay. What you're doing, it matters. It means something. As you sit by his side, spoon-feeding him day-glow jello and insist he finish all of his mystery meat, may you glimpse that divine spark that shines so bright in his tired-out eyes. What you're doing, it matters to him. When your toddler tugs on your shirt for another cup of water and all you can think are the babies who don't have a drop, may you quench her thirst and take comfort in wells that won't run dry. What you're doing... It matters to her. May you arrive back home from the other side of the globe, trusting the initial impulse that sent you there. May you take the time you need to sleep and eat and reply to emails, and then slowly may you feel that glimmer of hope that gets you back up, soul refreshed, ready to save the world again. What you're doing, it matters to me. Thank you. As the day fades into blackness, may you feel it. There is something, someone, bigger than the mess. And you are a part of that. <laughs>